week one, we were introduced to a prophet named Jonah. Uh, a prophet is one who hears from the Lord and then uh, uh, shares or communicates that word from the Lord to uh, uh, the people or a designated group of people. Well, Jonah was God's man. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. Well, he's given this call and this assignment from God to go preach to the city of Nineveh. Now, Jonah did not jump at that opportunity. Instead, Jonah chose to run away and disobey God. He did not like the assignment that God had given them, which if you recall in week one, I shared that, that God can call you to places that you don't like. God can call you to places that you don't like. God is, it, it, it is, God does not exist for our comfort. He may put us in situations that are uncomfortable. And like Jonah, we have to make the decision to either obey or follow through on the assignment or call God gave us or run away and disobey like Jonah did. And so Jonah ran away from the call of God. And I question to you in week one, how many of us are running away from the call of God? How many of us are running away from the assignment God has given us? And so Jonah flees, he runs, he decides to, to jump on a boat and sail in the complete opposite direction that God had called him to. And so while on the boat, God sends a storm that threatens to, to destroy the boat. Uh, and, and, and what it came down to was ultimately Jonah realized that he was the cause uh, of God sending this storm. And so the only solution for them to survive was for him to be thrown overboard. And so after some reluctancy, the, the, the other sailors on the ship decided to say, hey, the only way we're going to survive is this has to happen. And so they throw Jonah overboard. They throw him out to the sea. The, the storm ceases. It stops. And Jonah's left for dead out in the middle of the sea. But again, God uses circumstances to get our attention. And so God commands a fish, a large fish, to come swallow up Jonah. And now Jonah is in the belly of this fish or this whale, whatever it is. He's in the belly of this fish for three whole days, three days and three nights. And Jonah is in the belly of this fish or the pit as he referred to it. And so last week we talked about the fact that, that, that what, about, what about if pits or what if pits are necessary in our lives? And, 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 and we need to thank God for the pit because this pit for Jonah, being in the belly of this fish for Jonah, was a repositioning of his life. Where he was running away from God, the pit caused Jonah to turn back towards God. And how maybe the pit that we may be currently in is supposed to be a repositioning for us to turn back towards God. And so Jonah, while he's in the middle of this pit, he's now turning towards God again, and he is praying to God. Chapter 2 shows us this prayer. It gives us a glimpse into this prayer that Jonah has prayed to God, and he recognized that he, he needs God. He recognized that he, he came to the end of his rope. He is at his wit's end. There is nothing left for him to do within his own strength. And so he recognized that he needed God. And so my prayer and hope for many of us is that if we're in the middle of the pit, that we come to the realization, just like Jonah, that we need God. And if you recall, at the end of chapter 2, Jonah comes to the realization where he calls on God, that God is, the, is his only Savior, God is his only solution, God is all that he needs. And once he does that, and he makes that declaration, the Bible says that God commanded the fish 
to vomit Jonah up out on the shore. And that's pretty gross. It's pretty disgusting. But he vomits Jonah out on the shore. And we, many believe that the shoreline that he was vomited out on was, was near or around his place of decision where he chose to disobey God. And so now we are in chapter 3. And now Jonah is now in a place where he gets to make another decision. And so Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, is where we'll be reading this morning. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. One thing I do want to point out to you about Jonah that I think is important for us, for all of us to recognize about God is that uh, God didn't give up on Jonah. And the beautiful thing for us this morning as we've been worshiping about and singing about today is that God hasn't given up on us. And so Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1 says this. says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Let's stop right there. Verse 1 again says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The title of today's message is simply this. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Parents, do we have in the room today? Parents online watching today. Parents, you you've probably come up to this situation before uh, with your children, uh, and you've actually been on the other end of this as well as a child, as a son or a daughter. But there are times in a, the life of a parent where you uh, where you tell your kids to do something. You are you are instructing your kids to do something. They need you need to go clean your room. Uh, you need to go wash the dishes. You need to. Uh, pick up around the floor, you need to vacuum, whatever it is, you, you, you give your children, your sons or your daughters, an assignment to do. You, you, you want them to do something. And sometimes when you give them the assignment, you may get one of these three different responses. Maybe the first response that you've gotten before is, no, I don't want to. Hopefully you don't get that response. Maybe the child just says, no, I don't want to. Or maybe, or maybe your son or your daughter doesn't, doesn't quite move fast enough in obeying you. And so, like, you, you told them to do something, and they said they'll get to it, but then they don't move, and they just stay on the couch, or they stay in their bed, or whatever it is, and they're not moving fast enough, which is still a form of disobedience. Or maybe they just outright say, oh, I didn't hear you. How many of you ever heard that one before? Oh, my fault. I didn't hear you. And I'm, this is not an indictment on my own daughters. I mean, my, my daughters are, are good kids. But, but every, every so often we get these little hiccups. These little, these little moments of, of, of disobedience. And, and, and so maybe you're like me. Maybe you're not like me. But my personality type is I, I don't like to raise my voice. I don't like yelling. I hate being upset. I hate being angry. Like, I don't like any of that. It just, the, 
feel good to me. And I, I don't like yelling. I don't like raising my voice. And so a lot of times what happens is if I'm ever, if I ever come up to one of these situations where there's this, this, this little act of disobedience, one of the things that I like to do is maybe I'm not, in my mind I'm like, wait a second, maybe I just didn't make myself clear. And so a lot of times what I'll do is I'll say, let's try this again. With the intent is maybe you'll get it this time. And what we see here in, in the life of Jonah, we see, we see God saying, let's do this again. Jonah, I'm going to give you a do-over. Jonah, let's just start all over and let's try this again. Which, which brings me to the first point of my message today, which is simply this. That he is a God of second chance. He's the God of second chances. Some of you need to really thank him this morning that he is a God of second chances. Because the reality is, if you are a recipient of God's second chance, you're probably also a recipient of God's third and God's fourth and God's fifth chance. And so on and so forth. He is a God of second chances. He's a God of the do-over. And, and, and one thing I've discovered when I read the Bible, and, and, and I encourage you, read your Bible, but when you, when you get into the Word of God, what you discover about God is that he doesn't seem to have a problem repeating himself. I mean, he doesn't. You can look all throughout Scripture, and you'll come across something that God said in a previous book, in a previous chapter. I'm like, man, man, how many, God, how many times do you got to say that? You see where God is constantly repeating himself. Which tells me that it must be extremely important. It must be something God really wants us to get if he keeps on repeating himself. So here we see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He's given Jonah another opportunity, another chance to get this right. And if you go throughout scripture, you see this in the lives of, of, of people in, in the Bible. Some of the, the biblical heroes, heroes of faith. We saw this with Moses. Moses outright killed somebody, went on the run, and then sometime later in his life, God still decides to use him to lead one of the mass and greatest exoduses of all time, where he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. God uses him, even with his mistakes, even with his mess-ups. We, we see this in the life of David. David was an adulterer. He was also a murderer. And yet, at the end of it all, we see that David is labeled a man after God's own heart. Why? Because even in the middle of David's mistakes, even in the middle of David's mess-ups, God didn't just write him off. God still decided and chooses to use David. We see this with one of the disciples of Jesus, Peter. Jesus gets arrested. Jesus is on his way to be crucified. And Peter, of all the disciples, one of the most outspoken disciples, Peter denies Jesus three times, denies he even knows him three separate times. And yet, this is the same man that 
becomes one of the founding pillars of the church. We read about him. We learn about him. Why? Because God wasn't through with him. God didn't give up on Peter. God didn't give up on David. God didn't give up on Moses. And in the same way for us today, God does not give up on you. He is the God of the second chance. And so now he starts over with Jonah, and he gives him this command again the second time. The same, the same command he gave him the first time regarding Nineveh. Now, if you remember, Nineveh uh, historically is known uh, to have a, a, a very violent reputation. They're a very brutal group of people. They would, they would, they would brutalize and, 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 and be very violent towards their enemies. And Nehemiah and, and, and uh, Nineveh was a, an enemy of Israel, and, which meant they were also enemies of Jonah. And God is calling Jonah to go preach to Nineveh. And if you remember, there was this, this, this idea, this possibility that, that if Jonah preaches to Nineveh, that they could change their ways. They could repent of their sin. And what would happen? There's a possibility they could receive the mercy of God. And the reason why Jonah disobeyed the first time is Jonah would have preferred they receive the wrath of God rather than God's mercy. And so we see Jonah's disobedience was due to his lack of compassion. And so now God is starting over. He said, okay, I'm going to give you another opportunity, Jonah. Let's get this right. And so he gave them this word again to go to Nineveh and go proclaim to it the message I give you. In other words, I need you to change, Nineveh. You need to repent of your sins. You are an evil, wicked nation. And you need to change. Otherwise, 40 more days. And Nineveh will be overthrown. You've got 40 days. I'm giving you time to get this right, Nineveh. That's the message that Jonah is giving, uh, that Jonah is giving them. That is the message from God that he is, he is uh, 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 sharing with them. And so Jonah acts in obedience with this call, with this assignment. And now we continue reading in verse 5. What was the result of that? Which says, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So Jonah acts in obedience and he shares this message with the Ninevites. And what was the result? What well, says that they believed God. They believe God. It says that they that they threw on sackcloth. Now, sackcloth is a is a very coarse type of material made from uh, different animal skins, and, and they would throw on sackcloth. And, and in other words, what, what 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 we're seeing here is they are mourning over their sin. 
They are mourning over their sin. They are, they are they're, they're feeling the weight of their sin and their wickedness. And so they throw on sackcloth. So much so that even the king makes a decree. He says, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. So he says, man, we're going to get this right. We're going to go on a fast. We've been, we've been in the wrong. We've been sinning. We've been evil. We've been wicked. The Bible says that he took off his royal robe and put on the sackcloth. Why? He is walking in humility based off the word of the Lord. I thought it quite interesting, though, and I, when I read this, I, I laugh when I read it because he said here, he said, look, uh, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Even their animals went on a fast. Like, if I had been cattle or something, I would have been like, what did I do? Like, well, I didn't do anything. But like, he, he said, not even your animals get to eat. We are fasting. We are going to get right with God. All because of Jonah's obedience. Jonah spoke the word of the Lord, and it moved them to action. And they called on God, and they repented. They gave up their evil ways. They, they gave up their violent ways. Isn't that so awesome that we see here a whole culture is shifting based off the word of the Lord? A whole culture, from the king on down, says, you know what? We've messed up. We've been sinning. We've been wicked. We've been evil. Let's get right with God. But a whole culture, this shifting towards the Lord based off this word that Jonah is giving them. I, I find it quite interesting that here we have this very violent, brutal group of people, the Ninevites, who may... Jonah may also have been afraid for his life, too. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't want to go and, and, and yell that in the streets, that they were sinning, that they were wicked, that they were evil, and maybe he thought, too, they, were, they would have killed him. But what we see here is what Jonah was hesitant about all along. It was the word of the Lord that changed the hearts of these people. It was his act of obedience that changed the hearts of these people. A whole culture is shifting towards God. Because Jonah had to walk in obedience. Jonah had to walk in the assignment and the call God had given, uh, given him. My question to you this morning is, what is God requiring of us? Again, what is God calling us to do? What is the assignment God has placed on us? As I said in week one, Jonah was, 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 was lacking compassion towards his enemy. He was lacking compassion, and because of his lack of compassion, he chose to run away from the assignment. He said, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. You may show them mercy. I'd rather them receive your wrath. Are we operating in that same vein this morning? Are we operating uh, that way towards people that we would deem as enemies? And if you recall, 
you may say, well, well I, don't, I don't live that lifestyle. I don't really have enemies. But as I shared a few weeks ago, sometimes we deem enemies as people we disagree with. People who don't have the same political views that we do. People that don't vote the same way that we do. People that don't live the same way that we do. Clearly, that's your enemy. And because they're your enemy, I show no compassion towards them. And I only speak by what I see. I've only speak by what I've experienced. Because there have been people in my life that I strongly, strongly dislike that I show no compassion towards. There are people in your life this morning that you look at them and you say, you know what? I want them to receive everything else but my compassion. Some of you really hope and wish that things go wrong for them. And I'm speaking to the church again. I'm not speaking to those outside of the church. I'm speaking as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Sometimes we look at one another and we deem them as your enemy. Well, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with how they live. I don't agree with how they vote. I don't agree with where they stand. I don't agree with all these different things. So that makes them an enemy. And like Jonah, where God is calling you to love and show compassion, like Jonah, we've chosen to run the opposite direction. We've chose to run and say, I don't want to be the one that shows them compassion. God, they don't need your mercy. They need your wrath. But here we see in Jonah's obedience, where a culture is shifting, things are changing. What if God is calling us to the same type of assignment. Where instead of us standing on the sidelines saying they need God's wrath. They need destruction. They don't need my compassion. Look at how wrong they are. Look at how sinful they are. Look at how wicked they are. Can you believe them? Maybe God's assignment to us is saying, man, I don't need you to stand on the sideline screaming what you don't like about them, screaming how much you can't stand them, screaming how wrong they are. I need you to go in the trenches with them and to love them and to show compassion and to share my truth with them. What assignment has God given you that you may be running from? What if, what if you're, you're screaming from the sidelines that, 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 man, look at them, they need to change. Well, 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 what if God wants to use you as the change agent? What if God wants to use you as the change representative? What if? What if? What has God been requiring of us? Jesus made it very clear in Mark 16. He said to go into all the world. This is the assignment. This is the call. This is the mandate he's given us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
to everybody. The problem with us is we like to select who we choose to preach to and who we don't. Let, let, me, let me put add my own criteria to what Jesus said. Like I, like I want to share my faith and I, I want to share the gospel and I want to share love and I want to share compassion. But let me add my own criteria because there's certain people that I just can't associate with. Jesus said, go into all the world to preach the gospel to all creation. He means to everybody. Even those you disagree with. Even those who may see things differently than you. That's the assignment. So my question to us today is how many of us are obeying this assignment? How many of us are walking in this calling at this moment? How many of us are going into the world? I'm not talking about mission trips. I'm talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about a person who lives across the street from you. I'm talking about your coworker, that family member, whoever it is. All the world literally means everybody, everywhere. Don't, don't just leave it for the pastor. Don't just leave it for the minister. You are the minister. We are just like Jonah. We've been given a message. We've been given an assignment that we need to share. But I believe many of us, just like Jonah, are running and disobeying God in this call and this assignment. And so Jonah ministers to the people of Nineveh. He shares them this truth. And the Ninevites are changing from the king on down. They're like, yes, we've messed up. They're on sackcloth. Let's go into a fast. And the, the, even the king himself, he says, who knows? Who knows? Maybe, just maybe, God may relent and show compassion towards us. Maybe he may turn from his fierce anger towards us so that we won't perish. Who knows? I mean, this is the mindset in the heart of their king. This wicked, violent, brutal king. And what happens in his response? What is God's response to their action? John, Jonah 3.10 says, When God saw that they saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction. What is happening in this moment? God didn't put his wrath on them. But God showed them mercy. In other words, God is showing them his love for them. This wicked, evil group of people. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of second chances. Not only does he give Jonah the second chance, but you see him even giving these Ninevites a second chance. He's giving them an opportunity to get it right. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for the second chance. For, for those of us in here that have been neglecting and running away from this call of this assignment God has given us, he's given us another opportunity. He's giving us another chance. And he's showing us 
God is showing us what he would do if we walk in obedience. He is showing us what he would do if we choose to embrace and accept the assignment God has given us. Because not only is he a God of a second chance, but he is also a God that keeps his word. He keeps his word. Even to those people that you would seem least likely they would want to turn to God. He keeps his word. Doesn't matter how evil and wicked the Ninevites were. The very fact that they showed repentance, the very fact that they were mourning over their sin, the very fact that they were willing to change their ways. The Bible's clear. It says that he, he, when he saw what they did, when he saw their actions, when he saw them repenting, he relented. He showed them mercy. He loved on them. Why? Because he is the God of his word. He keeps his word. And here's the beautiful thing for all of us. He keeps his word towards us as well. Towards us. We know our own sinful ways. We know our disobedience. We know our wickedness. We know all of that. We know who we really are. We know the secret, dark, deep thoughts that we have that nobody else knows about. He knows those things that we do when nobody else is looking. He knows all that about us. We're just like the Ninevites, just as well as Jonah. But since he is the God of his word, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because he's a God of his word. The same change that happened for the Ninevites, the same change that we see happening in Jonah, is the same change that you and I can both experience. See, one thing I, I don't want us to to get out of this story of Jonah that we've been reading. It's, it's easy for us to do, but it's easy for us to see Jonah as the central figure of the story. I mean, it's obvious the title of the book is Jonah. But I don't want you to see him as the central figure of this story. Because ultimately, God is the central figure of the story. Ultimately, we're seeing God's compassion and God's mercy interwoven out through every verse that we've read. The very fact that God gave Jonah a word in the first place was because of his compassion and his mercy towards the Ninevites. I mean, he could have easily, after Jonah's disobedience, found somebody else to do it. But he didn't. Why? Because he loved Jonah too much. He loved him too much. He could have destroyed the Ninevites. After all that they've been doing to the Israelites, after all the brutality that they've been showing to all their enemies, God could have smashed the Ninevites, but he didn't. Why? Because he loved them too much. He loved them too much. And in the same way for us this morning, God could have smashed you, God could have destroyed you. 
God could have wiped you away. But he didn't. Why? Because he loves you too much. He loves you too much. He has not given up on you. He has not given up on you. Even though some of you may be walking in disobedience at this moment, God is not giving up on you. And for many of us, just like a parent to their children, he's saying, okay, let's try this again. Because my mercies are new every morning. Today is a brand new day. Today is a new start. It doesn't matter what mess-ups you did last night. It doesn't matter what mess-up you did before you arrived here today. God is looking at you and saying, okay, let's try this again. Let, let, let's, let's get it right this time. Let's get it right today. Let's get it right in this moment. That's the loving, compassionate Father that we love. That's the loving, compassionate Father that we serve. Romans says that it is his kindness, it is his patience, it is his goodness that leads men to repentance. Think about that word patience for a moment. The fact that God has been patient with us. He's been patient with me. The Bible says that it's that that leads men to repentance. It's when we come to the realization of how patient God has been with us. When we come to the realization of how kind he has been with us, that's what leads us to live for him. It's what leads us to want to serve him, to love him the way that we do. Because he's not done with us yet. He's not done with you. He's not done with me. I don't care how far along you felt like you've run away from God. I don't care how distant you feel. You were to turn around, God is in the exact same place you left him at. That's his compassion and his love for you. That is his compassion and his love for me. Aren't you grateful that we serve a God of second chances? I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And if you don't know this God, I want to introduce you to him today. I want to introduce you to him today. I want to introduce you to this new life that you can live with him today. Let's stand to our feet.